A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's the Mission Podcast. Hey, what's up? Welcome to The Mitchin. My name is Andrew Levins. My co-host's name every week is Mitchell Orr. What's up, bro? The Mitchin is a weekly food podcast coming to you out of Sydney. We talk about food in Sydney and abroad. And this week we have a very special guest, um, the original Sydney food podcaster, uh, Lee Tran Lam from the unbearable lightness of being hungry. Thank you so much for joining us again on The Mitchin, Lee Tran. Oh, total pleasure. Um, Lee Tran is also a food writer, a better one than I. Uh, and, <laughs> Not uh, hard. <laughs> she can, her work can be found uh, from the last year in, uh, in Good Food, in uh, the Sydney Morning Herald, in Gourmet Traveller, uh, the different guides as well. Uh, I've done a little bit for Time Out recently. Right. Yep. Yeah. All over the shop. You freelancing now? Yes. It's fun, right? It's also just a fancy way of saying you're unemployed. Yeah. It's just a socially it's acceptable fun, way of saying you're unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun no one paying your invoices for months That's on end. Right. <laughs> you That's start right. Start DJing too. You balance both of them and then no one pays you in twofold. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lee Tran's podcast, The Unbearable Lightness of Being Hungry. We've both been on it, Mitch and I, yeah. um, a couple of times. Um, and it's, you know, kind of what inspired the Mitch and to, to get started. So always excited to do stuff with Lee Tran. I like when Lee Tran comes on because it, sort of just turns into her podcast and we don't have to do anything <laughs> she just starts asking questions and interviewing us anyway she can't help herself so well, i didn't come prepared even less than usual today because i was like lee tran will look after it it's fine well i think that's because in the past we've we've had lee tran on alongside chefs that i feel like you wouldn't re- re- like you know be comfortable asking on your podcast just oh, yet really? like i thought like you've had your were you on with mark best at one point yeah. yeah and i think you just like you had all these questions saved up for him and you're like unleashed <laughs> and i was like we just took a seat back and let you let you do all the hard work i think it's more because i'm so slow at editing and there's i've got this long list of people i want to get around to and it's like i'd like to interview mark best at some point but um now I don't have to edit it, so let's just get in there and like sneak in some questions. <laughs> so today on the Mitchin, we're going to be talking about very old food um, and, and food that makes us gag. Um, we're going to talk about the world's 50 best restaurants, which is an, an event happening um, in Melbourne next week. Uh, we're going to talk about our favorite food TV shows, including two that have ended recently. Uh, and we're also going to check back in with uh, the Sui Sins debacle that... Uh, we seen Saga. The Saga. <laughs> the, uh, the pretty racist restaurant that uh, we called out a few weeks ago and now it seems other people have also called out and now everyone agrees that this place is the worst. So uh, our thoughts on that later on. But before we get into this episode, um, again, your podcast, The Unbearable Lightness of Being Hungry, who have you had on recently that we should uh, big oh, up? I had Rob Kaslick on who runs this uh, 
organization called Too Good where they get women from domestic violence shelters to cook recipes by top chefs like Ben Shuri, Peter Gilmore, Annalise Gregory and Mitch Orr. Who? <laughs> who probably did one of like the best soups they've ever had last year. The Off the top of my head, it was what roast hazelnut, cavalonero and celeriac. Yeah, that yeah. sounds about right. I bought 10 of those. They were so good. You need to find some more entertainment in your life. <laughs> <laughs> she was supporting charity, man. True, true, true. She's but, a philanthropist. Yeah, but the concept is you pay for two and one goes to a shelter. Yeah, and it's you a really good concept. keep yeah. one. And I think it's an. I imagine it's an interesting exercise for the chefs because you come off a recipe, but you have to do it in a way where that soup's going to cost twelve bucks or fourteen bucks. Yeah, I think it's more like soups easy to make on the cheap anyway. Like it's a good food like that. You know, like that's why it's stood the test of time and poverty and all that is like soup and broths and la la la. But it's hard. It's always hard for me because I don't ever write recipes. So anytime someone write, asks me for a recipe, I kind of just make it up because I'm too lazy to actually go and make it myself and weigh everything out. So anytime I do a cooking class and I have to do a recipe, I always say, that piece of paper that you've been given, throw it out because it's probably really <laughs> wrong because I just made it up. We're just going to do it. But with something like that where someone's actually going to go and make it, I still just winged it. I didn't weigh anything out or whatever. So it turned out all right. But... Yeah, that's the kind of stressful thing to me. I'm like, ah, I guess it's this many of this and that. You kind of just know anyway, but yeah. And then you more that got to think about what's going to be good in a jar when when it's pre-made and then someone buys it later and la la la. So like, oh, that's what I was thinking about more than anything. Yeah, that 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 uh, turmoil of. Uh you know, coming up with a dish versus writing out the recipe is the yeah. reason why you'll get you'll buy a cookbook by a chef, and like it'll be like this makes forty portions. Like, <laughs> yeah. why, why the fuck do I want forty portions? Of that's this? how much I make in the restaurant. Yeah, exactly. That's how I know how to do it. Yeah. So it's pretty funny. So you know, obviously, some things you have to have recipes for, like pastry things and that kind of thing. But all the dressings and stuff we make at Acme, I kind of, I'll just do by taste and so it might be a little bit different every time but wear one hat not three hats so it doesn't matter <laughs> and then like Lil will be the same but Ben Sears has kind of been weighing it starting to weigh everything and do everything properly and I don't know if he writes it anywhere for anyone else but that's his way of not having to think in the future then he can just go oh, I did it like this last time so this is how much I put in and then have a quick taste and that's right Mitch is talking so, about his very overqualified sous chefs yeah well Lil's not really overqualified <laughs> okay. ben, Ben's very overqualified <laughs> but yeah so it's it's funny to see different people's processes and stuff and and then the same thing when it's for too good you don't want it to be massively fucking complicated because you want it to be efficient and easy and fun for the women to make. You don't want them to go, oh, fuck, I don't know how to do that or do this, you know? So that's my, that was my approach to it. Great. Yeah. Plus they make a thousand of it so they can't yeah, exactly. spend 10 hours exactly. on one jar. Yeah, you just want to put it all in a big pot and forget about it. Do you know the name of the website where you can buy these soups off the uh, head? I think it's like uh, just Google too good too instead good. of me giving you the wrong. But address. like T T W O good, yeah. yeah, right, yeah, two, two, because you good. buy two, right, you pay for two, right, sick. Um, so that's the most recent episode. Yeah, but Rob's an interesting guy because he's like designed lights for the blind. He was in the Navy after September 11, like intercepting 
uh, vessel smuggling oil. So he's had a really wild life. Yeah, he's a pretty interesting character. And he, he does a lot. Like, there's a lot of things that he has his hand in and for charity and stuff like that. And he still has a day job as an engineer. So he does all of that in his spare time. Yeah. So... You may have noticed on the mission that we have uh, kind of, you know, we, we, we've, we've changed the format a little bit. We respond to stories. And uh, full disclosure, a lot of those stories I find on Lee Tran Lam's wall on Facebook. <laughs> uh, you're an incredible uh, source of, you know, interesting stories, both from the food world and, and from uh, like the movie and t- television world. Although more often with the food, I agree with you, but movies and television, I, yeah, I, I tend to disagree with you more and more, which is fine. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, one article that you put up uh, recently, in fact, you tagged it, me in it and said, can we talk about this today? Is a really, really funny article that GQ put up this week, a story um, um, about a dude called Steve Thomas. And uh, Steve Thomas is uh, famous. He's got a quarter of a million uh, YouTube subscribers. And what he does is uh, every week he eats a a war ration, like a, a tub of war ration food. So food that's like the oldest he ate was like 72-year-old. No, uh, he ate something from, I think, maybe the American Civil War. Oh, Jesus. It's from the 19th century. I think he said it tasted okay, which is hilarious. <laughs> but, you know, he's never gotten, I think... That's what said, I was say. How's he not <laughs> fucking constantly sick? Well, he says he's gotten more food poisoning from high-end restaurants than eating war rations. And one of the worst instances was eating, I think, uh, I think it was from somewhere in Eastern Europe, uh, war ration that was only one year old. But it must have been tainted because he was in hospital and had a $15,000 hospital bill. And that is what inspired him to start the YouTube channel. Because he must make a little, like a small amount of money from all the people who watch it. Yeah, that's brutal. Um, So, yeah, I mean, mean, he doesn't actually eat everything. He kind of puts it all out in the tray in front of him. And uh, he'll kind of assess it. He'll be like, oh, my God, this this smells rancid. I'm not going to eat this one. Or he'll point (laughs) out, like, we we saw, watch one of him eating a... Like it was like a spaghetti bolognese with like a pecan scroll, and then not the pecans had gone rancid. Oh, that's why I hate pecan pie. Oh, that's why I don't like pecans because I feel like ninety nine percent of pecan pies you buy in a shop somewhere, the pecans are always rancid. Really? Yeah, and it's gross. I don't know. Rancid nuts was a thing. It's fucking gross. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 crazy. Like he actually like sources them from. Because that was that, like the biggest question, like where the fuck do you get army rations from? And yeah, he goes to uh, army navy stores, swap shops, estate sales, antique shows, auctions, Craigslist, Amazon, eBay, and then he's got like pickers all around the world who help him find things. And th- there's like a holy grail um, war ration, which is the Italian Armed Forces. Razioni Riveri Special da Combat. I don't know why I'm pronouncing this, but whatever. But it's 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 cool because it comes with a shot of alcoholic cordial, which you're meant to take with your breakfast. Wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's worth it's worth watching if you. I don't know. There's something so enticing about something a video that makes you gag, that makes you like you know like you're like oh because it's not happening to you. Yeah. You're watching someone else put themselves through the motions of. of- it's pretty interesting to see. The quality of it and stuff. I think I've heard about rations and stuff on different podcasts and things like talking about, I mean, like maybe in the second serial, there was mention of something about the quality of stuff and like you you get what you're given so you have to eat to fucking survive and it's all shit. But then to see like some of those cans were like popped open so you know they're fucked and it's like crazy to see what it it actually is because I've never seen what a ration actually looks like, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. 
Yeah. <laughs> what would you like? If you got asked, like, you're like hey, we loved your soup. <laughs> ration of Can that. you make our army rations? Man. There'd be some money in that. Maybe maybe I should start sure, about like an airline deal and go for the army. I'm sure Neil Perry already has his ponytail on his pie. <laughs> maybe your jets. You could do army jets. You could jets. do jets. You could definitely do army jets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man. Apparently some of this is delicious. He said he ate 72-year-old chocolate and it was really good. Yeah, and then there's something like like a surely like that's a, comparatively though. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, if on the off chance you come across raspberry fruit soup that was only manufactured from from like RF the RFACO RCW, um, which was manufactured only in 1989, consider yourself very lucky. If you have ever tried this stuff, you'd be looking for one too. It's like a vicious <laughs> tangy Kool Aid. <laughs> he also ate Frankfurters that are about as old as I am, and they were. Nicknamed the Four Fingers of Death, and they sound disgusting. That is gross. Yeah, so um, you can find this guy's YouTube channel. Um, his it, his name is Steve nineteen eighty nine, um, MRE info. But just like Steve nineteen eighty nine, I think this will come up straight. Away. I like that he has like the ration tray as well. Yeah, it's a, like a, the, the production values of this, like you know, <laughs> of this channel of him eating rancid food are actually really high. Fuck, he put up like two videos just yesterday. He does a lot. There's like, you know, chocolate, full on meals. Um, and it's crazy because, yeah, like, you know, in, in, the, in, your, in your average ration box, it's like, yeah, you have a full a meal. Full meal. Yeah, so you have course. like, you know, a dessert. Um, and I think the dessert you would expect to be always the safe, the safe option, but apparently not. Yeah. The video of him eating uh, the oldest chocolate ever eaten, which is a World War II ration, uh, has over a million views. Lots of them have over a million views. So go, go be part of the millions and watch this guy eat food that make you gag. I hope he d- donates his stomach to, you know, medical science <laughs> so he gets, uh, yeah, explored because that would be an amazing stomach. I've eaten prison food. Oh, wow. Um, That's uh, part of it with heaps decent or something. Yeah, yeah. and also a different, um, like a, a similar, I, I, do, I do work where I used to do work where I do make music in, in juvenile detention centers and also I did, we did an older jail once as well uh, and we stayed, I stayed for, for dinner at the, the kids' juvenile detention center quite a few times and I remember... The, the food that they eat is actually super high in fat. Um, yeah, and so a lot of the kids, um, like, you know, they'll, they'll all tell you, like, that everyone puts on weight in their, first, you know, in their yeah, first right. six months when they're in juvie because of, like, you know, how fat... Food's the, the, the food's not... It's not it's, it wasn't delicious at all, no, but, but, like, it was just, like, it was high fat content. And then, I don't know, like, you, you either just kind of let yourself get bigger or you kind of give yourself something to do and, and, and fo- focus on fitness while you're in there. You know, I wonder why it's so high in fat. Yeah, is it just because f- it's cheaper? Like yeah, it's just and crappy it's food. Filling and yeah, it was like a, but one time I went there. It was like you know, like chicken drumsticks um, in like a cream sauce. It was like it was not nice, not great stuff. Have you heard of prison loaf? It's this like uh, it's got everything nutritionally that you need in a prison meal. Like I don't know what they have to tick the boxes of in terms of I don't right. know how many kilojoules a day. But it tastes so awful, and it's in American prisons, and they use it to discipline prisoners because it's probably like one of That's probably the few joyful things a day if you're a prisoner a is you get a meal, right? Yeah, and then they take and, your meal off you and you get this prison. And they whatever. give you this shitty thing that tastes awful, and it's used as punishment. Just which, a bare amount of nutrients that you need to live. Yeah, I think it's so sad when like food is used as punishment. 
Like eating your peas when you're a child. <laughs> <laughs> peas are actually delicious. You're wandering dangerously close to me talking about parenting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know our listeners I hate that. Fucking it, <laughs> so uh, speaking of uh, making me gag, which I did while watching this video, um, we brought her up earlier, one of your chefs uh, at Acme, um, Lilia McCabe. Is that how that for Sure. Hey. Is that how you pronounce the name? Sure. It is? I have no idea. He's never asked it. <laughs> <laughs> Worst employer. Yeah. Um, she and uh, another another chef, um, Yuri from um, uh, Automata. Automata. Thank you. Uh, are, are currently on holiday and uh, making Mitch's life hell because he has to work very hard without... Clayton's too. And yeah, right. Two, 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 two uh, recent guests of Mitch and I are very we, upset because of this I holiday. I think we must pay him too much. Because <laughs> they're Since able to This holiday is fucking insane so they're in europe at the moment right yeah they've been in france most of it um and holland for a bit that's where yuri's mother country right um they posted they went to a uh i'm gonna butcher another pronunciation because that's what i do so well on this podcast they went to a restaurant in paris called uh le berge du pont de colons smashed it um and uh there was a video on on both their pages this week of them eating what looks like a big blown up like balloon made of entrails and it's a it's a what it is is it's a chicken and truffle cooked in a bladder Leetran, I know you're vegetarian. Does, does meat dishes in general put you off, like, just talking about them? Or no, not at all. This, uh, in, this in particular was, like, for me, like, you know, I, I, I eat meat and I'm interested in offal for sure, but this just looked... this Basically, like, what happens... And, I mean, you would probably know more about the cooking process, Mitch, but, like, the, the, the entire chicken is inside this bladder um, and they steam it, I guess, and the whole thing puffs up like a big balloon and then when they cut into it, it deflates, so it's just like this... Yuck sack <laughs> It looks like a very large testicle Yeah <laughs> You've got problems if your balls look like that bro um, I didn't say mine <laughs> Weirdly for a vegetarian Like I really support the idea of like Nose to tail eating Like if yeah, you're gonna no cut up an animal yeah. Like use all of it Yeah But it's like having an oven in oven It's like It's almost like sous vide in a way Because everything is kept inside the bladder Nothing mm-hmm. escapes So all the flavor is inside being sucked back into the chicken. So it would have been incredibly moist and tasty and visually, uh, what's the word? Striking. Striking, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of like old school kind of like, you know, showmanship at the table. Yeah, it's super old school. Like you're half, e- half expecting they cut, cut open the bladder and a dove flies out. Yeah. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like Yuri chose all the restaurants because they're all like really old school Three, two or three Michelin star places that are like super over the top, and that's like must be costing them so much fucking money. You're paying for it, bro. I know, <laughs> in more ways than one. But like, fuck. Uh, I, I, could, I could not, I could not afford this holiday. <laughs> can I ask if you had to choose between the bladder dish or a prison meal from oh, I don't know. 1974. You're not eating the bladder. No, I know that. I know. No, no. I, I, I once because well, that's the thing. Like the, the video came out. It's like this wobbly, full bladder. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and then they cut it up, and it's a chicken. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes total sense. <laughs> but like, <laughs> yeah. it's just yeah. an old school cooking technique, you know, like creating a convection oven without having one. Yeah, um, like I said, everything steams and circulates and. All the flavor and moisture stays in there. Yeah, well, to answer your question, Lee Tran, obviously I want this, you know, extremely expensive chicken meal from a Parisian <laughs> yeah. restaurant. But, uh, Mitch, you, sh- you showed me a, a video of an of a Italian bloke cooking a um, cacio e pepe. Yeah, a guy named Riccardo Camini, who I did a dinner with at last year's Gourmet Escape. 
And like the way that the way you would cook this usually is you, you you hollow out the wheel of cheese, right? And then you put your pasta no. in there. No, is that how Australia goes? I do it. <laughs> no, but he does a pig's bladder cacio pepe inside a pig's bladder. So he puts the cheese, the seasoning, a little bit of water, and the dried pasta into a pig's butter and then sits it on top of simmering water and then just sort of like bastes the bladders and they puff up as steam is created inside and the pasta cooks in the steam. Then they take the bladder out to the table, shake it up to emulsify it, cut the bladder open and serve the pasta out of it. It's just, you know, it's like another way to do the same thing, I guess. I can't wait to see the and because next. it cooks, the pasta cooks in the steam and the cheese. So I've no, I haven't tried it, but it would be a more intense undiluted flavor i guess yeah i can't wait to see the next like food website listicle which is like 11 bladder dishes <laughs> that you need to try <laughs> yeah you're, you're probably gonna write it Lisa. <laughs> what you, yeah, you cut it open and there's like a 1945 ration box inside like what <laughs> this doesn't benefit the cooking at all <laughs> uh so the um world's 50 best restaurants um, it's a long, on, ongoing annual event. Last year it was in... Uh, New York, they announced New York, it yeah. in New York. Uh, which was the first it. time outside of London that right. they had the ceremony All right, there. so okay, Lee Chandler knows way more about this oh, and everything we're talking about on the geez. show today. So you can, you can take the lead on this one. Okay, I'm a little fuzzy, but I think it started around the 2000s and it was a very informal list uh, between some critics and friends and really an excuse to throw it a party. started by a magazine called Restaurant Magazine in London. Yeah. As, as a way to promote their magazine kind of thing. And then off it goes. Yeah. But the list that we now know is quite different from that original list, which had, I think, a cafe, like a place called Ambrosia Burger, <laughs> at like quite high, maybe like in the 30s. And then a Casbah-themed restaurant in Philadelphia at something like 25. <laughs> Whereas you just don't see those kind of places on that list now. It's all places that probably have $300 tasting menus. Yeah, and if, and if you paid attention to, to restaurants around the world, you know, from a, from a reading about them in, you know, uh, easy-to-find food press, you could probably just guess the top 50. Yeah, well, you'd know most of them. Yeah. yeah. Top 20 you can, at least. You can go onto the website and see all the old lists and go look through all the old lists still. It's interesting how, um, how much restaurants are influenced by that list because a few years ago 11 madison park the owners decided we want to be in the top 10 Mm. and change the restaurant to steer it in a direction where it would hit one of those top positions and now it's i think number two or number three currently number two or three and Mm, three yeah and i've heard some people will guess that they think it could take out number one but who really knows yeah right yeah the uh the i mean I think the first Australian restaurant or the only Australian restaurant in the top 50, 50 is Attica. Yeah, at the moment, yes. They released the 51 to 100 yesterday and Keys, Key yeah. was in the 90 zone. Yeah. And that's the, only, that's the only Australian restaurant in there? Yeah, so you could that speculate because last year Bray was in the list. Yeah. So either Tet, Bray's in Bray top 50 or not. Top 50, yeah, or dropped out. But Tet's, Tet's been a few years in the top 10. Key it was higher. Rockpool was in the top ten one year, I think. Sieba was on it once in like maybe fifty one to one hundred. Yeah, fifty one to one hundred. So, yeah, I mean it's a massively influential list because all the the food media is involved now in some way. So it's a massive PR exercise, and that's why I kind of hate it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Go on. <laughs> I've, I've had 
some really shit meals in some really high numbered restaurants. Are you going to name and shame? No, I think everyone knows most. Uh, everyone that knows me knows my opinions and what restaurants I'm I'm talking about. But it's the kind of thing where you go, "Fuck, sick! I want to eat at that place and la la." And some of them really blow you away. Like Noma blew my mind in Copenhagen. Like it was the best meal I've ever had, despite all of the hype. Yeah, you know. So some places really deserve it, but I haven't. I worked at Francescana. Which is currently number one. Number one. Many years ago, it was number four at the time, I think. And I haven't... I have friends that work there still, but I haven't had anyone go there and tell me they had a really good meal in the last three years. Wow. But as a chef who has that restaurant on your CV, isn't it like quite a nice bit of... Yeah, but I try not to quote it anymore. Like, I try not to... For personal reasons as well as professional, but you know, I spent only spent three months there, so, and I think, you know, it definitely helped when I came back as a pinpoint for people to grab onto. But I think I've done enough now to, you know, that doesn't have any influence on what I do now. You know, so. sure. But if you're say, if you're an average reader, and you read some chef you've never heard of, and they've worked at Muggeritz, and they've worked at Ellen yeah, Madison Park. Yeah, of course, it of course. is a helpful indicator of maybe this person is talented. Yeah, I find that with you know like long-term reviewers, there is this idea of like this kind of you know like this this point allocation that you have in your mind, and a restaurant just needs to tick all the boxes, and then okay, they deserve to be on this list. And there, there is that I find like I find like if you eat at this many restaurants it almost makes you not able to have that really, really personal connection with a restaurant that would lead us to saying it's a, it's an incredible restaurant. Yeah, right. So it's an interesting list because, I mean, every list is subjective. You, yeah, all 100%. of us could come off like 10 best restaurants we've ever been to mm-hmm. and there might be a little overlap, but they'll be quite wildly different. And, and, and there are lots of reviewers that, that eat at that many restaurants who I trust, like, well, you know, trust as, as, as much as, you know, some of the best chefs I know. Um, as to what a good restaurant is. So I'm just, I'm just, yeah, I don't know. Continue what you were saying. Yeah, so um, I've not been to many on that top 50. Like we were talking about last year's top 50. I've been to 11 Madison Park, which is like the highest ranked of the ones I've been to. And then ones that are a bit lower, like um, Blue Hill at Stone Barns, Estella, something else I can't remember. But I would say... Blue Hill at Stone Barns, way better than 11 Madison Park. Yeah, I had a... I've, Blue Blue Hill Stone is one of my top top meals too. Because it's 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 about everything. The way you walk into this restaurant that's on a farm, but you, it takes you a while to get there. You have to like travel up the Hudson River, and they actually are on a working farm. It's not like you know some restaurants they have a few herbs in the garden and they're like, <laughs> hey, we source everything uh, just outside. Um, and they do things like I think I've talked about it on my own podcast a few times, but they have a dish where. They bring it out and someone shakes a poppy flower and out pops all these poppy seeds just like rattling out of that poppy mm. flower. And I'm like, oh, of course, that should be where poppy seeds come from. I've yeah. never thought about it. A lot of it makes you reconnect with, oh, this is actually where my food comes from. Yeah. But it's also quite a joyous experience without being... I found 11 Madison, Madison Park a little gimmicky, like a little like being at a theme park. Mm. It's fun. 
Like they have a di- when I was there, they have a dish where they bring out a picnic basket, and then everything in it is stuff you'd take to like Central Park for a, a picnic. And there's a, a cheese, and then there's a beer that they've brewed, and the cheese is I don't know washed in the beer that they've brewed, <laughs> especially for that yeah, dish. Yeah, yeah. So it's fun, but I will, I will always think about Eleven Madison Park. Oh, the place that I forgot. Um, did I say Den? I'd been to Den yeah. in Tokyo. So that is so much fun. Like that yeah. is such a fun restaurant. Have you been, Mitch? I haven't been to Den yet. Okay, no. so Den I found out from Dan Hong's Instagram a few years ago. I feel like he was the first one really to go that we knew of. And they're famous for a Dentucky fried chicken box. You've probably seen this on no, Instagram. No, I haven't. What, wow. You would have. Yeah, you would, you would have. have. You might have. Yeah, like, 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 like in amidst the 50 photos that Hongi puts up whenever he has a meal <laughs> overseas. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but it feels like a zillion other chefs have gone since. Um, so it's a box that's like the Kentucky fried chicken box. It has often a photo of the chef on the box, but... I think if you're someone supposedly a little special, like Dan Hong probably had his photo put on the box and you open it up and they do a little research on you. So if you're from Australia, you'll have a little Australian flag Uh inside and everything they do has a little personal touch like that. So when I went... They, um, when I had my, di- uh, my first You got a dish- picture of Dan Hong. <laughs> <laughs> the first dish I had, they brought out chopsticks and the chopstick holder they did in the Good Food logo, like the hand oh, cut really? by oh, Good wow. Food. Because I'd interviewed the guy, like, I don't know, seven months before, but I wouldn't think he would remember because he'd be yeah. interviewed by so many people. And then there's a dish they bring that's a dessert on a spade and it's like their version of tiramisu that they supposedly just dug up and they spread it on newspaper, but they put it on the article I wrote oh, about no him. <laughs> like that's What's the that? kind of... Who's that, uh, that, that hip-hop interviewer? Um, Nardwa. It's like the yeah. Nardwa <laughs> of <laughs> meals. <laughs> yeah, but it's, um, it's quite... Uh, a lovely experience. And yeah, had, totally. Um, that's, that's incredible. I, had a, I think Mitch would have liked this. I had this amazing jasmine tea. I had this amazing jasmine tea, which they like cold drip for a week. Yeah, um, right. It's in some part of maybe Kanagawa. I'm not sure. It's, a, it's from a different part of Japan. But like every detail was so fun and so amazing. And I think that yeah. is one of the best restaurants in the yeah, world. Yeah, definitely. Like I'm not saying that none of the restaurants on there deserve to be on there. Like, yeah, I, I, I had like, amazing a, restaurants on there. I have like a reverse snobbery thing where I automatically thought oh, I haven't been to any of these restaurants because that's not the kind of food I like. But yeah, well, that's, I've been to like four of them. Yeah. That, that's, <laughs> Just looking at the list now. I think it more, it's changed a little bit now from what Lee Tran was saying about the early years where more casual places were on it. Now it's all like the big names kind of thing. And I think that has, I'm a, I get annoyed at it. I think I've said this before. It's in Melbourne. I didn't get invited to go down. I didn't get invited to anything. So, guess hurts. who did, everybody? It hurts because <laughs> you, you're going to do it, do a DJ thing or whatever. You're not going as a food writer, London, no. So totally. Let's clarify. <laughs> so it hurts my ego. I'm going to review my set. <laughs> <laughs> it hurts my ego, but at the same time, that's not why I have issues with it. I have issues with it because I have. I always have issues with PR companies and how involved and how much influence they have on our industry and usually how little idea they actually have about the industry so that that always irks me and the list has now become one massive fucking PR exercise that is basically controlled by how much PR you put 
into it and how much money you spend getting the chairs to come to visit your restaurant because the way the voting works if you have to have gone to a restaurant to vote for it supposedly you're putting uh, air quotes there supposedly so you know like it's all pretty like no one really knows how it works no one really knows who's who unless you're in the circle kind of thing so you know if i was in the circle i'd probably fucking love it too you know but yeah so i just i hate that kind of thing and the fact that tourism australia is spending so much money to bring it here with the hope that it will put focus on restaurants in sydney and melbourne which hopefully does because that's good for all of us but yeah it's just such a massive pr exercise and 95 percent of the time pr people get it wrong okay but ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Let's talk about like the influence because one of the restaurants that was number one in 2013, they had to employ three full staff to turn Take down difference. all the people yeah. that couldn't get in. That's what I'm so saying. It's how, a massive PR exercise. It is. Um, but obviously Tourism Australia having um, run the campaign of having it in Australia for the first time. It's the second time outside of London where they've had the ceremony. Um, they're hoping that there will be a payoff where all this media, all these people will cover it, go to restaurants like yours, Mitch, and the payoff is not just, say, Attica is this number on the list, but putting it, the focus on... Exactly, exactly. And that's that's the goal, I guess, whether that actually happens, because all the ch- all the people will go to Attica, Bray, Sepia, maybe, you know, like they'll go to all the top level places. Whether they come to the little neighbourhood guy like me is a different story. <laughs> You're the little neighbourhood guy. I'm the little neighbourhood guy. Little neighborhood guy, the, little neighborhood guy the, the little independent doing it all by the himself. Little, the little corner grocery store. <laughs> yeah. Slumming Compar- it, keeping it in the family. Comparatively, I am. Sure. There Comparatively, are- I am. I don't have any backers. I don't have anyone behind me. Mm. I don't have millions of dollars. I don't have nothing. I am, I am the independent guy. Can you know, I say not- that uh, there are a few restaurants like that on the list that aren't the... Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. And they're... They're with their chefs have big personalities and their chefs have spent time networking and getting to know people and that's based off their reputation and stuff like that. Like a hundred percent, I'm not coloring everyone with the same brush, but yeah. So hopefully they do. And like voters have come to Acme before and been bought in by press that I know and stuff like that. So we do get it. And like you said, hopefully it benefits everybody and people make the long ass trip over here from Europe and from America, etc., and come to our restaurants to eat. And hopefully we see that, 
you know, because we see when I did Munch- the Munchie Chef's Night Out episode, or we just did a video with Monocle that just got released like a month or two ago, the amount of American and Canadian customers we have come through, it's almost nightly. And wow. they'll go, we saw it on Monocle, or our friend saw this place on Monocle and told us about it, or our friend came here because they saw Chef's Night Out and they said, we have to come here, blah, blah, blah. So hopefully that same effect happens for everybody. That would be fucking great. And that would be amazing for the industry. And then it's money well spent by Tourism Australia. But if we don't see that and it's just the top end, then maybe it's not, it's not so good. So what, what do you think is a better way to spend this much money? If you, were, if, you were talk, if you had a meeting with Tourism Australia and you were like, you know, trying to bolster restaurant activity in, in Australia. Uh, I, I think getting the awards here is a good way to spend the money. But what they do with the people that come and where they send them and where they highlight and who's organizing the things they do, I don't know any of that side of it, so I can't comment on it. But I I would like to have a say on that kind of thing because I've said it before, Attica is an amazing restaurant. Key is an amazing restaurant. Benelong is an amazing restaurant. Bray is an amazing restaurant. But they're not necessarily the places that make the city what it is or make the city you know interesting and little corner pockets and you know like they're not the things it's a wanky saying but make that make the city's heartbeat you know so they're the top end and that's the pinnacle but that's not what is happening on the bait on the ground level you know what i mean and i think that's more important like when i go to overseas i don't want to go to the i'll go to one top end place maybe but then I want to go where my chef friends are eating every day and weekly and that kind of thing and that kind of place. And I think it's important for press and media and journos and other chefs to see that about Sydney, Melbourne, XYZ, wherever they may be. Well, I think um, a little bit of that is happening as far as I know and not that I'm like greatly in on it, but um, I was talking to Joanna Savile last night and she used to edit the Good Food Guide and she does some stuff with Tourism Australia Mm. and she's got um, an overseas journo coming in. I think it was today and she was like, where should I take her? Like, which Sydney cafe should I take her? What'd you tell her? Um, So there were a few parameters like, because she had to be at Parramatta at a certain time, so it had to be near like Central or Redfern and we were thinking... And then we're like, why don't you take her not to like one of the hot new places, but somewhere that's been around for a while mm, because... City extra. <laughs> 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 because actually maybe that's where you should take um, some, of, uh, some of the people who come to town, the places that kind of started or like a single origin mm. or somewhere like that. Um, and I think so. some of that is probably happening. You don't know about it because it's not a yeah, big yeah. high profile thing. So it's like 90, sh- 90 shifts. I think that should be the profile though. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? That should be the focus. Yeah. Not Obviously, they're already going to go to the high-end places. They, they're friends. They're all friends, so they're going to go to each other's restaurants anyway yeah. if they're here. They don't need media support saying, hey, you've got to go to Attica. Yeah, like, right. Like, they all fucking know Ben. They're all friends. They're going to go to Attica. You know what I mean? Like, that kind of thing, you know? But... I'm talking out of my bum. I don't really know what goes yeah. on. It's so. a Mitch and fuck us. <laughs> Can um, I just quickly say, um, I think it's a fun list that you shouldn't take too seriously. Yeah, exactly. But, but ma- we all do. <laughs> it's, the same, it's the same as anything. We all fucking take yeah. it way too seriously. But maybe if I could say I have like one problem in quotation marks with it is if you go to a place like Estella, which until recently, last year was in the 40s on mm. that list. And I think 
Estella's there because it's in New York, whereas like Esther in Sydney is a better restaurant. 100%. But because it's in Sydney, it's just not going to get the exactly. amount of people. Exactly. Sydney's harder to get to from most of the world. Mm. So I think if Tourism Australia bring out all these people, some of them might be on that voting panel. They go to places like Esther and maybe some of those places creep up that list, that yeah. can only be a good thing. Yeah, yeah. like when, when, when all the Noma chefs were here, the only place they ate at was Master, and now Master's <laughs> closed. <laughs> they went there like three times. <laughs> but that's because they were friends. That's true. You know yeah. what I mean? So you go to your friends' restaurants anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and like you said, Estella is on there because it's in New York. You know, every I, I keep saying it, but every time we go and travel, and you can speak to pretty much any chef, you come back and go we are on level if not above any other fucking city in the world with what we do but the fact that we're over here they don't look over here to see what's going on and we spend all our fucking time looking over there to see what's going on instead of realising that you know we're already killing and we're already on par if not better than what's happening over there the bigger problem here is that they're in Melbourne <laughs> at, least, at least they're not in Perth. <laughs> um, and can I just quickly say we should mention that the chair of is it Oceania or like our part of the world is Pat Nurse yeah. um, from Gourmet Traveler. And I did actually talk to good him. Friend, good friend of the show. Um, I did talk to him yesterday because I thought. Maybe acquaintance. No, he, 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 he sent me an email the other day <laughs> and said, hey, Levins, I hate your website too. <laughs> Um, anyway, I, I thought if I'm going to talk about this on the show, I should actually ask him about yeah. it because he's actually involved. And there's no one better to be that that in that position than Pat. Yeah. Um, he's been doing it since 2006. Um, and I asked him, because the thing that's mysterious about it is no one knows who the voters are besides the chairs. Like, we don't know who votes. Um, and 25% of that voting list changes every year. Although you, before we started... Maybe don't say. Okay, all right. You did mention to me who one of those I don't know what contracts were signed or what (laughs) agreements were come to, so... Yeah, but he said, like, whereas you and I were like, why is Estella on that list? Not because Estella's not... We're not not saying it's not a good restaurant. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. that's right. It's just more like there are restaurants at that level that are as good in other parts of the world, but he said... But they don't get the eyes on them. Yeah, he said that one of the world's 50 best um, people, someone jumped on a train and said to them, Estella, really? And then yeah. jumped off. <laughs> <laughs> and also Pat said, look, everyone's doing it for the right reason. It's just they're celebrating restaurants. Yeah. And I think we should um, acknowledge that as well. Yeah. So there, there are 90, 90 chefs and uh, restaurant representatives from all these restaurants all over the world coming to Australia. Evans is reading his official media. I'm just letting like, you know, these, these are the things that we know that they're doing. There's a chef's feast at West Beach Bathers Pavilion. Um, then there's the big award ceremony, um, which is at exhibition building. Can you tell us about your involvement? You've kept that on the download. That's what I was about to. I teased it. <laughs> Drum roll, please. Um, so I got a call from Ben Shuri from Attica like last week saying, I know it's last minute, but can you please DJ at um, my 140th joint birthday with <laughs> Neil Perry and Pat Nurse? Whoa. But I love that Pat Nurse is telling everybody that it's um, just Neil, Neil and Ben's joint 100th birthday. <laughs> <laughs> But the funniest thing is that it's the night of it's on the night of the fifth of April, which is the Ooh. day before my birthday. So uh, it's actually oh. if you count me in there, it's the joint one hundred and seventy second. Not not, a, not as cool as one hundred and forty. Do you come back on Thursday? Yeah, yeah. What do you ask? 
surprise birthday plans? To record. Oh, no, we're going to record in the morning. Don't worry, mate. <laughs> oh, Wednesday. Wednesday morning. I was going to say again. record on Thursday because I'm going to take Thursday off. Oh, okay, and cool. And then we can go have lunch for you. Who knows what we're going to do. That's a good one. <laughs> but I am going to stick... We can edit that out. That was no, no, let's keep it in there. I love this. People love it. It's like, you know, real insight into what makes us tick. Uh, but I'm going to stick around on the 6th because um, Pat, one of the big things that he's been organizing is uh, is the great Aussie brunch which um, I know my sister went to when it was in New York last year. And Cans love brunch, bro. But this is not actually a brunch. It's a, it's a big yum cha party. Um, so different, different Australian chefs contributing um, different yum cha uh, items. That sounds appealing. I'd do that. Yeah. That sounds good. And then uh, finally, there's an, the Academy Escape in South Australia. I don't know why they're doing that, but that's what they're doing. Good so yeah. Here's the reading. Yeah. So, look, so there are some, some pretty cool things that they're doing. I mean, Tourism Australia... That is a, bit, a lot of pressure on them to kind of involve as many people as possible and send them to something that represents the country as a whole. It's a difficult. It's not an easy job. It wouldn't, they can't send all these guests. No, no, near 100%. I'm not saying it's easy, and it's easy for me to whinge about sitting in my chair here with a microphone in hand. You Mitch, get- what are your top 50 restaurants <laughs> in the world? Go. No idea. Number one. <laughs> okay, well, no, num- do you know what? Number 36. Number 36 uh, is the dip. <laughs> <laughs> you can say that uh, Tourism Australia kind of did something similar a few years ago when they invited a lot of press down to Hobart and um, other parts of Australia, uh, chefs, uh, people like Alice Waters. And then the next year, uh, the number of Australian restaurants on that 100 list doubled. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, there's what we've had the big Noma thing last year. We got this this year. What do you guys predict will be the massive uh, Australian tourism in, uh, foray into the food world? Whatever the thing is next. It- they can bid the highest amount of money on. Basically. They'll just sponsor the oh, mission. And- I mean, was the, was it Fat Duck the year before that as well? Yeah, Fat Duck. Well, now dinner's open, so that was part and parcel. Right. And the Fat Duck closing to renovate, and Heston coming here already. So, yeah, I'm sure they'll find something. Like they're definitely out there trying to do shit, which is great. Cool. Uh, what else are we going to talk about on this incredible episode of the Mitchin? I've got it all written in front of me. Food TV. Yeah. Food TV, everybody. Yeah. Mitch, Mitch, you want to talk I about like television? Yeah, I Mitch watch, likes television. I, I watch a lot of television. And I'm completely okay with it. I don't understand these people who tell me they don't have a TV and they don't watch TV. But they, no, they, they spend their time um, that they would normally spend watching TV telling people that they don't have a TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Netflix is actually pretty on fire with food programming at the moment. Um, the last series of Chef's Table, which is a little bit over the top at who, times. Who was... Uh, uh, I don't know a bunch of people. You can Google it. But I think everyone should have watched. You haven't watched it yet. No, but I know Ivan Rahman. Yeah, Ivan Orkin. Um, uh, Dominic Crenn, was Dom- she? No, she was previous season. Yeah, right. Um, You're right. These are just names to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're not gonna. But there's oh, that amazing Korean monk. Yeah, I did the watch Korean part monk. of that. So there's some. That episode is really fucking amazing. It's inspiring it's it makes you so fucking hungry it's extremely extremely relaxing at the same time um it's almost like a lot of some of the episodes are almost like watching um adenborough oh yeah it just puts you in that zen state of like oh fuck this is so amazing but i'm so relaxed those komodo dragons gonna fuck yeah you know but like it's so chill so it's it was actually probably I, i think it was my favorite season of chef's table so far um, and then Netflix also released season four of Mind of a Chef. Wow. I only ever watched season one. Yeah. So the 
The season now is sort of split up into two. Can you? Um, I actually haven't watched any of these things. What's the what what what, what, what what's like the overall? Okay, so Chef's Table is produced by David Glebe or Gleb. He Gelb? did um, Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. And it's very related. Very it's very related to the top fifty in that the restaurants on it are or sort of picked from the list in a yeah. way. But basically, they go. The original setup was they go to a journalist or someone in food and they talk to them about their relationship with X restaurant and they produce a, I think they're like 45 minutes an hour episode yeah. about that restaurant, about that chef and that kind of thing. And they're, they're generally pretty interesting. Some of them are really wanky and, you know, it depends on the kind of restaurant and what you like to eat and that kind of thing. But they're generally pretty interesting. And it it's, is. It's super produced. There's a lot of money behind it. It's very sleek, but it's it's a pretty good food TV show. And then Mind of a Chef was started originally by Chang. Yeah, it was meant to be Lucky Peach originally. Yeah, That's what they so had it's on planned. PBS? I think so. I've only ever watched it on Netflix. Yeah. So it's a PBS production. Um, and then it's been... I think it's there's a fifth season now, but Netflix has just released the fourth season, which... The seasons are now broke up, broken up into two chefs. So the second season was Sean Brock right. and someone else, I think. The third season was two people I can't remember off the top of my head either. The fourth season is Gabrielle Hamilton and David Kinch. Right. So the Gabrielle Hamilton half is good and there's some really amazing moments with um, Jacques Pepin and a couple of other really old school and now old chefs. That's really amazing. And then the second half is David Kinch. And I thought it was fucking really good. Where is he from? He has a restaurant in Los Gatos um, in California called Manresa. Um, The first time I went to New York with Morgie and Daz, we went for Omnivore Festival and we helped Kinch do a dinner. So I kind of have a personal tie-in that makes me more interested and he's a really cool guy and I'll even in that space of just doing helping him do a dinner I learned a shitload and it's sort of I see some of that in the episode and then like it also extends the kind of his thinking and stuff and it's it's just really cool and there's um there's appearances by the chef from Roberta's Carlo I can never pronounce his last name um Jeremy Fox and all these uh, Eric Repair and all these other people and they sort of just bounce off each other and they cook some really cool food and they talk about food philosophy and that kind of stuff but it's not really in a a wanky way so it's it's really good I loved in the first season where they talked to like that punk farmer that works for Noma yeah and they talk about um, Love Apple Farms which is the farm that supplies Manresa with all its vegetables and stuff like that and it ties in you know california cuisine and all that kind of thing so it's really cool to watch and it's really inspiring i've talked to a couple other chefs about it that have watched it as well and we've all been as excited kind of like and fanboy in a way kind of thing but it's really good and it's really worth watching like if you're just going to put something on and sort of not really have to think about anything and just zone out and relax it's really good tv to watch can i ask you about something that they showed in the first season where um David Chang and Renee Redzepi find these mahogany clams and they're 200 years old. Mm. 
How do you feel Put about it in an army surplus? <laughs> <laughs> no, mahogany clams can just be that old. Um, like, how do you feel about preparing something that's had such a long history? I don't think I'd ever be in a position to get to do it, but if it's done responsibly, then you know we don't know how. I don't know how many mahogany clams are out there in the ocean. You know, so it's not something that they're gonna fish to extinct, extinction he'd, he'd put it on so his jets I'd, I would put it on his jets <laughs> I would and then um, they also just I actually saw the little preview thing you know that pops up on Netflix for Samurai Gourmet and right. I was like I wonder what this is and then I was listening to the Watch podcast with Andy Greenwald yes. and Chris Ryan on The Ringer and Andy talked about it and basically said how much he loved it and Chris was like you're a fucking idiot <laughs> in their way which was really funny but then I started watching it last night and it's it's Lev just googled it and it's based on an anime series like a manga on a, on a manga a comic, cartoon comic book yeah no, it's, yeah, like a, like it's a comic comic yeah, yeah right. called, called Solitary Gourmet so it's about a 60 year old guy a salary man who's just retired and now is completely out of his routine and out of his rhythm of just getting up and going to work and being a corporate dude in Japan and he starts to explore like his local area because he he realizes he never has and then it all relates to food but he imagines himself as a samurai in various parts like if i was a samurai what would i do and it's very japanese and very fun and it's really kitschy and stupid but there's some really cool footage of food being cooked and prepared and stuff like that so it sort of triggers that same thing in me it's just relaxing to watch and it's it's subtitled and it's la- like it's still loud and fun and quirky, but it's really the first couple of episodes I watched were really cool. Yeah, I watched the trailer. I'm yeah. I'm 100% going to watch it. Also, it should be it's worth pointing out that L is like 20 minutes yeah. long, which is like more so should be less than yes. less yeah. than half an hour long. And there's so there's good. a couple of little. There's also Midnight Diner on Netflix as well, which is the same sort of quirky, weird Japanese thing. So yeah, there's and, a they, few and these aren't gems. these aren't docos. These are like mm. you know these are these are fiction series. fictional series. Yeah. So there's a food. few little cool little gems in there as well. And then, I don't know if you've seen Lev's, but Martha Stewart and Snoop have a cooking show. No. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I haven't watched it either, but I've, I keep reading stuff on Twitter about it. It's not an Onion article? No, 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 no. And I'm not sure where it is. But, yeah, and it's really funny because they have different um, celebrity friends come on, like Snoop brings on... Rick Ross and all these other rappers and to see the interaction between <laughs> Martha Stewart and Snoop in general and Snoop's usually stoned out of his mind. That's so funny. It's really funny. So there's some really cool off the left of centre food TV going around at the moment that's worth watching. We'll check in on it as the series, the seasons continue and we, we, we catch up on the episodes. Um, to finally check in on uh, something that we spoke about two weeks ago when uh, our, our guest Ray Jones was with us, uh, we talked about cultural appropriation in Sydney restaurants. Did you listen to that episode, Lee Tran? Yes, I did. Right. I hadn't heard of that place before you mentioned it and then what, in the last week or so it's really blown up. Well, so we, we focus on the Carter, um, which is... A, a, now a, follow the, me on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> the Carter. Uh, they're the guys who, who have the uh, Obama fried chicken, uh, the, the Beyonce themed um, uh, bar and restaurant uh, but uh, we also spoke about a, a restaurant in Surrey Hills or a bar in Surrey Hills called Suey Sins which is like 
bringing the excitement of sexy Shanghai to Surrey Hills. And it is like, you know, the, the pictures on their, on their Facebook page are, you know, girls dressed in like geisha outfits and they have uh, menu items like, you know, me so hungry, me so blah, blah. And then they like, have did a, they really go that far? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they have hell. beer cans of like topless women, Asian women. Like it's a cartoon kind of drone but i'm still like that's so gross yeah and we kind of said like you know that that, I, that sydney restaurants get a pass for doing some pretty heinous things no one ever calls out this mm. stuff and um but it looked in, in the last week there have been articles uh condemning sui sins um up on pedestrian on news.com.au on the daily mail um on concrete playground and uh yeah everyone is uh everyone's really Although Concrete Playground goes as far as to say, why is me goreng on the menu? That's not a Chinese dish. <laughs> but I think that's like, you know, that's not really... Kind of missing the point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Classic Concrete Playground. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, and, and a, lo- a lot of people are calling it out saying it's, it's, it's real whack. Um, Lee Tran, have you got any thoughts on, on, on this? Do you, do you come across examples of this and wonder why people don't call it out in Sydney? I'm surprised this place got as far as it did like that. In, you know, because it takes a long time to open a place, right? Yeah. And you probably tell your friends, I've got this idea running. And that no one is like, oh, that's not uh, yeah. a good idea. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I, so, I've, yeah, don't eat it, Sui Sins, is, is what we're saying. <laughs> I don't reckon that, like, surely this place will close down pretty soon, right? You'd think so. Or we'll refurb. I know, Sydney can be pretty racist there. Yeah. Well, it's that amazing Venn diagram of it's racist and sexist. Yeah. So that's like why the triumph yeah, yeah. manages to be both. <laughs> All the top comments and all of these on all these um, Facebook posts about this place, you know, from on the pedestrian side on Concrete Playground, is like that ridiculous, like you know, super aggro dude who's like, you know, fucking SJWs, really? like you've got to be offended at everything. Blah blah blah. Is it really? Yeah, it's just like, man, wow. this is clearly offensive and also clearly just shit. Yeah. Like I don't understand why you would come into bat for something that just looks as bad as this thing does anyway, regardless of how offensive it is. Yeah. Yeah, and also playing to that stereotype that. Asian women are just sex objects. That's really gross. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, in the articles, it sort of explains the owner's inspirations and stuff. Yeah, I have to point, you did put out like air yeah. quotes. <laughs> even, even that is like just so misguided. Well, yeah. it said that she supposedly was inspired by a real life figure, but then someone did some research, research and yeah. that person might not be real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did an Instagram post of their me goreng spring rolls and it was it says, me please, me so hungry, me goreng spring rolls. Ooh. Another sui signature dish. Shoot me in the fucking How head. can you have a signature dish when you're probably going to be closed in two months? <laughs> <laughs> the me goreng spring roll sounds like something Hongi would do. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. You know, it's all right if Hongi yeah. does it. Yeah. You wouldn't say me so hungry. <laughs> Are you going to watch his TV show? Yeah, that's actually, I forgot to talk about that. When does it, that starts airing this month, it's, it's right? soon, right? Yeah, I think the start of April. So, what's uh, it called? The, the Cook's Line. Cook's Line? So, friend I almost said the past, but that's the, not chef, <laughs> the chef's line. The chef's line. So, Dan Hong's new show on SBS comes out the start of this month. Um, I think we should do. Live reviews, Lives. Oh, okay. <laughs> Recorded live reviews. <laughs> uh, I just find, like, you know, like, I just find it really funny. Like, you know, we obviously we know Hongi so well, and I love when, whoever gets him to pull the faces he pulls in his press <laughs> yeah. shots. I swear they do it just because they know that at some point I'm going to see it <laughs> and find it really funny. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that, that starts quite soon. Um, 
on know, SBS. Chef's line on, on SBS, SBS. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's we're a, checking that out. It's an interesting um, concept. Concept, yeah. So it'll it'll be fun, fun slash funny to yeah. See we, how it goes. we we love Hongi, and yeah. I think you know he he definitely has it within him to be like a he's, good, a I good think food he's personality. Actually, I've, so. done, I've done some things with Hongi for like pilot stuff, or when he's been talking to agencies about doing like before he did the iView one. We went and did oh, a shelfie. Yeah, we went and did a thing at Ramaniku where he talked we went and talked to Harusan and um just like Hongi had me to bounce off and stuff like that so they could show his interaction and stuff like that. And he's actually really good at it. So yeah, you know, I, I want to see him like you know eating around, and I want to see him with his mum, and like you know that, that that I wish that show would get made, but uh, yeah, I don't know. yeah, this but is, you know, like this, this is on the way there. This is the ladder rung. Real, reality TV and competition TV is always gonna get picked up first, you know. Yeah, so yeah. we'll see. It could it could be really good. Has he kind of been because uh, the chef's line is like you know it's somewhat comparable to the Master Chef in that there are judges judging your dishes, and yeah. there is fast paced competitive cooking going on. I kind of get from the teasers. Is, is Hongi kind of playing the cunt? Yeah, like, he's, he's like the boss boss level judge. Right, okay, sure. Yeah. So he's the... Actually, I was like... Final is he, and I was like, wait a minute, everyone on MasterChef's a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hongi, Hongi is the boss. Like, he's the top level. He has the final say on who wins. and That's amazing. Yeah. So we've got lots of stern reactions from Hongi in the future. Yeah, it'll be pretty, it's going to be pretty good. There's going to be lots of uh, memeable <laughs> content created, I think. Well, um, that is it for the show today. Thank you so much for listening to the Mitch. And thanks especially to our guest, Lee Tran Lam, for joining us. Again, you can find her work almost everywhere. And in particular, her podcast, The Unbearable Lightness of Being Hungry, is Just on iTunes. Just don't read her TV and movie stuff. <laughs> <laughs> At least we both like the Fast and Furious movie. This is true. I can't wait. I'm so psyched. Not long to go Good now. Good Friday. <laughs> um, Lee Tran, um, we're going to spring this on you. Um, oh, I, I meant to tell you earlier, but you have to pick the song that we're going to oh, end yeah. on. Oh, right. Okay. What if you don't have it? Well, I'll have it. Okay. I've got the internet. I feel like... Does it have to be, does it have to be a super new song? No, no. Whatever song you want to end this episode oh, on. Oh, whoa. Shit. You really did spring it on me. Um... Because I do an Australian music show, I feel like I should. Yeah, I didn't even talk about your FBI yeah. involvement. That's actually how we know each other. Yeah, I feel like... And that's how actually I started my podcast because you came to me and said you wanted to start a podcast network. <laughs> and then I threw you under the bus and <laughs> didn't start the network. <laughs> no, but it gave me the idea of like what would I actually want to do. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So actually you guys are inspired by me, but I'm inspired by you. So it's all very circular. Uh, so there's a Melbourne band called Ivy League, the IV, the mm-hmm. letters, and then League. Wasn't there like an Australian music label called Ivy League? Yeah, as well. They might still be going. Uh, I think they made a lot of money off... The Vines. Was it The Vines? Yes. And The Rubens, perhaps? 78 Sav, no. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Now I have no idea who any of these people are. (laughs) And the last three singles they've put out have been really good, but especially the second last one called Bleached. So if you played that... That'd be awesome. Okay. Thank you so much for Lee yeah. Tran. Lee Tran. Jesus. Lee Tran Lamp for joining us. Uh, <laughs> Thank and, uh, you. Thanks, Mitch, again. Thanks, Levzies. I'm, uh, I'm two kilos lighter than I was last episode, by the way. Oh, really? Just F- from not eating anymore? F- F45. Oh, and, F45. And, and, and dieting. It's going are, well. you still, are you still doing review stuff or are you done? I've got, I've got two more reviews to do, but I'm, so I'm, uh, I'm doing one I a week. I saw a little email uh, that you're overdue for um, 
you passed it. You passed. You passed deadlines in there. Uh, not, not not too bad, but not nowhere near as bad as last year. Last year, I was months and months and months overdue. <laughs> um, so yeah, thank you so much for listening, and you can find us online facebook.com slash themitchin or send us an email with a question that you'd like us to answer in the future with a cool guest, themitchinpodcast at gmail.com. See you later, everybody. Peace. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.